So the idea with uh, make no response is just just a suggestion that not the position to order anybody to do anything, but just a suggestion that whatever arises in your life, whatever arises uh, out here in your environment, whatever arises in your consciousness, make no response to it. I'm not saying don't look at it, don't uh, uh, allow things, uh, the natural way of responding to anything to happen, but nothing extra. The extra part is what gets us in that in, in trouble and gets us in a loop of confusion that we call figuring things out. You can't figure anything out. I'm not saying you can't do math. Some people are really good at it. <laughs> Some people are very bad at it. The mind that is confused or is up against it or is challenged or is not getting on whatever subtle realm or subtle area or subtle level is not getting exactly what it wants, something else, wanting something else, will tend to uh, abandon the very situation that's giving them the difficulty and go to something else, opt for it. Well, maybe this will work, maybe that it will, it will gamble, you could say. And I'm, I'm not saying you couldn't understand something by doing that. Sure, certainly possible. There's no uh, correct way to do anything. So make no response uh, if you're a practitioner, if, you've, if you're a long-time meditator. This is probably going to show up different for, for you than someone who doesn't, doesn't meditate much or doesn't meditate at all. The word that comes up when I say, uh, sometimes I say, don't do anything unless you have to. And what am I addressing there? Patience. What did my mother used to say? Hold your horses. You ever get that one? I always look, was looking around for where she's getting this horses thing at. When you're eight years old, you are pretty literal about everything. <clears throat> it's patience. Wait, 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 before you jump into the, uh, some kind of uh, uh, rapid-fire thinking about any given thing. How do you do that? Well, if, you're, if, you, uh, if you use your sense fields, your sense fields are not particularly lying. They can be fooled, of course, but sense of touch is, we get used to it. We get so used to it that we just take that for granted so much that we forget how our body feels. You're actually ignoring one of your sense fields unless something happens, unless something bumps, you bump into something, unless you have a headache, uh, unless you have a, some kind of a distress going on, or some kind of pleasure, the other end of the spectrum, so to speak. Same nerve endings, different feelings. Same nerve endings for pain as there are for pleasure, whether you're in any one of the six sense fields, including the mind. If you don't examine those, you will be at the mercy of your for lack of a better word, your karma. That which is happening in your life, that's which is happening in your mind, are coming together. And you could say they're either fighting with each other or they're dancing. If they're dancing, uh, probably don't have to meditate at all. Meditation is extra. It's something that we do that is extra because we, when we look at our life, we see that we're, we're confused by it or we're having emotions that we have no idea where these are arising from but instead of looking at the emotion, looking at the texture 
the difficulty, the prickliness or the roughness or the uh, irritating quality of the feeling, the emotion. Instead, we abandon the very thing we need to look at and go to, what is this about? Let's see, who caused this? Who did this? Why am I doing this? How can I stop this? Around and around and around. Make no response. Don't make any response to anything. Give yourself a break. Think back over your life and how many times that anything that arises, you immediately go to somewhere else. You actually leave the very thing you need to look at. We want to lead with our thought process and our thing, even though it doesn't work. We want to lead with our thought process because the thought process reifies, reinforces the self-centeredness, which is a uh, untrue. There is no solid, separate self anywhere. If you if you realize this, the suffering that you're having with yourself, with others, with the world, stops. It falls apart. It collapses. You can't make it collapse because it is unreal. If you see that it's unreal, it may still be there, but it doesn't have... Uh, but all of the propaganda around there does not work anymore. You see that it's untrue. So if you stay in the sense fields, if you stay in the sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of smell, sense of hearing, sense of seeing, just the immediacy of red, just the immediacy of yellow, just the immediacy of sound, just, just that. If you jump out of what is happening into something else, you actually are abandoning your own uh, intelligence. And when I say intelligence, I'm not talking about uh, four and four makes ten. Is that right? Of course, it doesn't make ten. Four and four makes two fours, which is ten, right? Four and four and two is ten. Isn't that how math works? Trying to calculate something works if you have all of the parts. Hear how my voice kind of goes up because I'm kind of whining. If you have all, of, it's because it's so obvious. If you don't have all the parts to something, there, there's no point in calculating. You might as well wait until the rest of the parts show up before you start saying, "Well, I could move this here, and I could push this up, push this down. I could move this around." But instead, what we do is we we think it's more important to respond. Let's, let's get busy, unless we can't wait. Uh, what if something happens? Well, you can't just stand there. You can't just sit there. We have these little mini uh, three-word lectures to ourselves. Well, you need to do something. No, you don't. If you don't do anything, if you just sit down and hold still, or stand and hold still, this is basically what meditation is. It's not any special kind of state of mind where we go off into some kind of uh, wonderful bliss, or uh, the Sanskrit word, of course, is samadhi, or non-dual reality. This is all baloney. My apologies to those who teach in another way. Were you pointing to something? Go on. What was I pointing? You looked like you were pointing to something. Oh, you're asking a question. Please go ahead. Um, what is the what is studying the Dharma if it's not about figuring things out? 
So there's several stages to it. The beginning level of it would be the provisional teachings are about seeing that the mind runs with passion, aggression, and ignorance. We like we like some things, we don't like other things, and we ignore other things. So there's lots of gradations, ways in which that uh, calculating, thinking, analyzing, and so on work. And some people may need to do more of that than others. Of all the things that we study, which there are uh, quite a few, uh, as a as a, as a community, as a Sangha. Uh, there's some of that going on, but it's more about the awareness that that is happening rather than some kind of success and failure situation of, oh, I finally figured out how to uh, make some kind of understanding of the relationship between the Yogachar teachings and the Madhyamika teachings and what that connection is and how some people think it gets this way and other people. If you get into this very deeply, you find out there's a whole lot of opinions about it. And what are opinions? Do I have to say it? They're lies. Because it's always partiality. If you have an opinion about anything, you've not looked at the entire picture. If you look at the entire picture, you cannot come up with uh, an opinion. You may come up with the truth. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't that be startling. More? Um, you said something earlier about the sense fields and how they don't lie. Uh, what are the sense fields showing us? The objects of the senses sound, smell, taste, touch, sound, uh, sights, colors, shapes. And then we add uh, the six uh, conscious, six. Uh, uh, the thinking process adds on things based on hope and fear. Hope for something better, trying to get something, or fear that we're going to get something we don't want. There's constant chatter going on. Uh, and it's reinforced by emotions and feelings that are arising out of who knows where that reinforce that and you know frighten us even more or magnetize us or irritate us or whatever. What's being said here is to, uh, is to emphasize the observing of what's happening rather than the calculating part. Just wait for all the information to come in, if there is such a thing. Wait. Patience is kind of a common thing that people use. Wait. 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 Okay, now. Do something. Or don't. Don't do anything. Don't do anything unless you have to. What does that mean? That doesn't mean... Don't do anything at all. It means uh, wait and see the way the causes and conditions that are arising in your mind stream, your life stream, however you want to look at it. It looks like uh, it looks like an inside and outside. Actually, they're not different. They just look that way. And this is why most of the world is spinning around and fighting with itself and could even destroy itself. Shut up. Going off what Shoka asked about when you were talking about the senses, don't particularly... Uh why? But you said they can be fooled. What does it mean for a sense to be fooled? Magic. Rabbit out of a hat. The rabbit wasn't in the hat. There was no hat there. It was a painting of a hat with a rabbit producing device behind it. Oh, you don't know about magic. So, yeah. More? I mean, you're really curious about that? You know, if I give you a potato and blind you and say it's an apple, you know, because of the texture, 
because the nature of the sense consciousnesses uh, overlap all over the place. The, we, we, we tend to separate them. Well, that's touch, this is seeing, and that's hearing, because we don't train ourselves. We don't, we don't sit down and really watch the way the sense consciousnesses come together and separate and come together and separate. Blind you and, put, and have you bite into an apple or into a potato and tell you it's an apple. You probably can be convinced. Go ahead. So why do we separate out the, the thinking consciousness and the practice? Pardon me? Why do we separate out the thinking consciousness from the other five? Seems to be a pretty common. No, I have to think about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it just it's, its nature is different. The, the, what arises in the in sound, we translate that into words. We translate it into whatever, whatever we, we receive, make no response. So in other words, what I'm saying is listen to it. If you actually hear a, uh, the sound of a cardinal and you immediately jump from the sound of the cardinal to the, uh, a picture in your head about a, of a, car- a cardinal or, or go to see a septum, does the male make that sound or the female or both of them? or Which one is the one that is red? And we immediately abandon what is there and go into something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not saying, oh, you shouldn't do that or that's evil or something like that. We're just saying that we tend to abandon the very thing we need to look at uh, uh, prematurely based on wanting some kind of information about it. The thought process, because it basically, the sixth consciousness basically organizes and uh, um, uh, you could say balances or uh, interfaces with all the ends, other sense consciousness, consciousnesses so it feels like there is one consciousness that is having the experience of hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, seeing. That there's one, there's kind of an individual, uh, but there probably is not. Go ahead. Make it a real easy question. Does the sixth consciousness also receive things from the alia? Yeah, the, to go into that, the, that, pat, that uh, particular model for consciousness, which is not the truth. It's just a it's just a grid that we lay on something. It's like a recipe for cheesecake is not cheesecake. I don't think anyway. They have not made one like that, but but it shows you what that is, so that you can use your your thinking process to approach that situation. Same thing with the eight consciousnesses: the first five sense, and then the sixth is the thinking process. The seventh is that part of the mind that thinks that something needs protecting, something needs advancing. That's the paranoid part of the mind that thinks something's up. i got to protect myself. And the eighth is uh, the storehouse, the Alley of Ijnana, that area where uh, everything apparently is stored. Mem- memories seem to come from there. Um, all kinds of things seem to come out of an area that we're not really sure what that is. It's kind of kind of like things falling out of your attic, and yet you can't find the attic door. Or it's not like that at all. It's like something else. Question? Hume. Is the make no response? Is the make the part that is fishy? Pardon me? Is fishy. What about fish? (laughs) (laughs) Is is there a response? 
that happens without the making making of a response. Yeah, yes. So we're not saying can't respond. Of course, we're going to respond. But when I say make no response, uh, if you're listening to me and if you think, well, I'll try to understand what's being said, especially if you're a student of mine. Uh, the make no response is the way that happens. If you try to make no response, you'll see how you you will see your awareness will come into how you can't help it. But what this does is it causes you actually to track more. You could say accurately more the way in which you keep you you have a, a kind of a what's called a, what is it the metaphor is a knee jerk reaction to things. But by bringing awareness in there and endeavoring to make no response. Uh, It's like the response happens kind of on its own, like if there's some other thing going on because it's uh, kind of impulsive. But yes, there is a way of responding uh, to our, our life and our situations that is more sane and is more harmonious and is uh, cooperative where there's some kind of communication where we don't go into the me first feeling like I've got to be right, I've got to be in control and centralize everything where we operate out of fear. If we can relax a little bit in that area and uh, extend ourselves out to others and try to put, begin to put others before ourselves, actually taking into consideration the other person and what's, what they're, what's happening with them. Even if they're maybe not treating you so well, you could actually look more deeply into that and see that probably the reason they're the energy behind that has to do with they're having so much trouble themselves. And, and this is one way, as we all know, one way to get rid of how you feel is blame somebody. If you're feeling terrible, if you can find somebody that's just triggering it, not causing it, just doing something that triggers un, uninspected uh, pain and suffering in your, I point to myself like this, because it feels like it's somewhere in here. But if you see, if you look at the way things arise and the way things fall away and then they arise again and see that that's, that it's not that there is an emotion, emotion connected with that, but in that some sense it's quite mechanical. This happens and that occurs. This happens and that occurs. That happens and that occurs. And if you just observe that, then without uh, some kind of uh, personal uh, propaganda where you have to do this and you have to do that and you can't do this uh, uh, operating out of fear, then you might actually cooperate. You might actually communicate. What is communicating? Listening. Communicating is not talking. Is it a really easy question? I mean, unless I'm saying it, of course. If I'm talking, then it's communicating. Go ahead. When uh, the blame comes up and we don't respond, what happens? Uh, it, the the bl like blaming someone and then you you're blaming someone or you but you don't do anything with it you're feeling like you want to blame somebody but you don't say anything or do anything or fuel that that tends to die down it might have to do it you might have to do it uh, 15 20 times or more because who knows the causes and conditions that are so buried that are trying to come called uh, the habit energy or vasanas is sometimes the metaphor for that or the form for that is the uh, eighth consciousness. Things are coming out of nowhere. We don't know what they are. We don't know even know if there is such a thing as the eighth consciousness. Like all these, all these structures, relative, absolute, the five skandhas, the four noble truths, the eightfold path. These are just structures to help us see what what this is. 
If you see what this is, you don't have to study anything. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do anything. Particularly, if you want to live, you might have to continue eating. But who you are is not limited to its part of and a very, very intimate part of this physical form. But it's not limited to that. Realize that before this body-mind collapses into the five elements again, which is called what? Death. Realize it. Find out who you are. Drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> or not. Do something else. And when I say realize it, this is your business. I, I, you know, I, I, my uh, sense of uh, value or uh, is not dependent on anything, particularly. So I'm not trying to get converts to anything. There isn't anything to convert to. Further questions are good. Andrew, can we ever add all the information? Probably not. <laughs> so then. There's always page 53 after 52. There's always going to be something, as long as it's a relative situation, there's always going to be something else. But if you see what it is totally, then it's all just this. It's not separate from just this. Go ahead. So then do we respond without all the information in the situation where... What happens is you begin to uh, understand what the nature of information is. And you, then you begin to slowly make the transition from responding out of what you know and don't know, the polarity, into what you... Uh, what you fundamentally see, your wisdom mind starts seeing wisdom. It actually sees it. You actually, it doesn't mean you can't go in, uh, in the kitchen and, uh, um, you know, catch your finger in the microwave or something like that, make mistakes. You're not, this isn't, isn't some kind of all encompassing awareness that, you know, can see through walls. But there's no, there's nothing else that you're trying to get to. And you're also not particularly satisfied with this. I don't use the word satisfied because it's polarized. It's, there's just this, not separate. Go ahead. More questions there would be good if you have them. What is information? Um, well, it's a relative construct about something else. Information in itself is like looking at... Uh, a language you don't understand, like looking at uh, uh, Chinese pictograms. It actually backs up into that kind of thing. Now, you can bring it back out by studying it and then talking to other people who are studying it. Or There's a lot of room there to, to question. And I'm not, and this is not... Uh, some kind of false humility, but I'm not smart enough to do this by myself. I can't. Not a scholar. I don't think in concepts. If I did, uh, I probably wouldn't be here. Yes. Uh, from a point of view of awakening, is information still about something else? <clears throat> yes. going. What changes, if anything, in our understanding of information? The polarity about it stops uh, picking and choosing. So you see the polarity and you're, you're fine with that. So you see the positive and the negative and the neutral. 
and you're no longer picking and choosing anything. Anytime you pick and choose anything, looks like I'm bleeding. Uh, anytime you're picking and choosing anything, you're, uh, um, you're separating yourself from one side or the other. I have thin skin. <laughs> I'm very thin-skinned. Proof. More about that. That's not a. That's not a, an easy. That kind of a question is not easy to res, uh, to respond to in a way that helps clarify it. When I respond to it, it tends to go yes. It's not like attaching yourself to an emotion. Pardon me. You said every time. Can you repeat what you just said? I don't know. You said every time. You separate yourself. Is it like kind of like attaching yourself to an emotion? You don't want to attach yourself to an emotion. Um, so the way I talk about it uh, is, it's like uh, the idea seems seems to be important to see the way we attach, rather than try to de detach. Sometimes people say we just have to drop it, you have to let go. I don't say that. I say you have to see the way you are attached, so you can understand it. Because if you try to detach to uh, another word that is, may work and may not prematurely or ahead of time based on fear or based on wanting to get rid of something, we're right back to a very low level kind of warfare with our mind, with the, with our world, which tends to uh, cycle around and around. So wait and look at it and actually have a will. You could say have a willingness to be attached. Do that for a while. Give it a couple years. Just see the way in which you're attached. Stop trying to detach, particularly. So that way, if at some point, if you see the way the attachment actually works, uh, if you see deeply into that, the attachment's gone because it gets its fuel from warfare. It gets its fuel from being objected to or agreed with, which is grasping, or ignored or shutting down or separating oneself into some isolated uh, uh, someone who is not concerned with that other thing. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. Always about awareness. So we're, what we're endeavoring to do, what I'm endeavoring to do as a teacher of this path, is to get encourage people to lead with their awareness rather than just a, a complicated thinking process which will take you in circles. Maybe really big circles. And as a circle is big enough, it looks like a straight line. Most people in the world think they're actually going somewhere. Talk to anybody that says... Any people here, we think we're going somewhere else, some uh, other place that's better. Or we're trying to avoid going this direction because we really need to make this choice. That's why I often say, I'm saying now, everything is choiceless. It's not that you can't decide to pick something up or put it down in a simple way, uh, but we haven't looked at where this hand even came from that actually is able to pick something up or put something down. We haven't looked at where this... This came out of a tree. Someone had to carve it. Andrew. Can we only work with ego until we realize? Are there pangs of no self before then? Are there what? Pangs, like hints of no self. I think it's all the time. We see it all the time. We turn away from it into some, something. We need some kind of a reference point. More? Is something like make no response 
coming from ego? Like, are we... Could be. At first, we're trying to... I'm saying that because, uh, um, you know, my I think before I come in here today, I think, what am I doing this for? If I go into a why question, I just start to go in circles myself. That's how I know about them. Because I go in circles. I've not stopped going in circles. If I did, I wouldn't eat, probably. You know about that circle, right? More? A question from Shane in uh, California. Yes. He asks, what makes the thing we need to look at the thing we need to look at? What? <laughs> Well, what makes the thing we need to look at the thing we need to look at? It appears. Whatever appears. A thought appears, a, a something happens, and then something else happens. And then we tend to add on to that because we, we, don't, we want control. You'll notice, I'm sure you'll notice, if you start to have an emotion that you, is difficult or rough around the edges that you don't know where it came from, we want to control it. We want to shut it down. We want to stop that. We want to ignore it. You can do it by distracting yourself into doing other things. I'll just clean house. I'll just uh, paint the roof. I'll mow the lawn. Or I'll, I'll uh, watch television. Or I'll talk to my friends and partners. Or any number of things. Or I'll go meditate. That's another way to avoid things. Did I answer his question? We'll find out. We'll see what he thinks about that. <laughs> Andrew. What should we do when we see the response? <clears throat> just, just observe that. Just watch it come and go. Just be with yourself. Give your, you could almost say treat your mind, that aspect of the mind that is untrained, that seems to be kind of crazy and going around in circles. Treat, treat it like a... a like you would uh, a, a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Give it some space. Don't let it out of your sight, but give it some room so you can see how that whole situation is functioning. And then if it is necessary to make a response, it will come out of your awareness about it rather than some kind of preordained or pre-judging uh, grid that you lay on top of everything that every time this comes up, this is the way you always respond. Out of rules and laws and not trying to do away with those. We're just trying to uh, trying to encourage people to live out of your out of your awareness. If you see what this is, you see fundamentally that you're not separate from anything. Pretty hard to have a war with yourself. Michael, did you have a question that you forgot? <laughs> yes. How can we get space around that response? Like if we see the response and immediately look away from it. Very good. So I, I think it's just repetition. We just just continue to return to it and return to it. it just we sit down and you're training your mind to see more clearly. And uh, quite often, what you when we train our mind to see more clearly, we see how how much clarity we lack. That's that's the nature of awareness: is to see the difficulty, to see the the blip on the screen or see the scratch, the scratch in the furniture, to see the defect or see the, 
uh, the thing that's difficult. So we tend to do that. And those who, who meditate, that's why uh, meditation is sometimes called uh, voluntary discomfort. So in order, in order to understand this, you may, instead of running away from your discomfort and going into entertainment or distraction or anything, thinking process around anything, instead we volunteer to come in, sit down, and look at the difficulty we're having. This is not a Buddhism, the way I understand it, is not a belief system. We don't believe in Buddhism. We practice it as a way of understanding deeply, as the Buddha apparently did 2,500 years ago. See what this is. Find out who you are. It's a case of mistaken identity here and mistaken identity of what you're experiencing, what you're receiving. If you think otherwise, uh, you're not wrong. Right and wrong are extra. But you probably will continue to go in circles and suffer right up until the time when the, the uh, sixth sense fields and their objects collapse back into uh, the uh, five. Uh, the, how many elements are there? Five? When we observe something arise and fall away, does the falling away um, imply going back underground? It could. It might come back later, but if you don't add anything to it, then then there's no no comment, no post-it notes on anything that's happening, no no word, uh, little thought balloons around anything. And how do you do that? You see the way you keep post-it, post-it noting everything. Anything that happens, it's, well, it must be because of this, but it's because of that. Well, I should do this. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have said that. We shouldn't have said that. I should have stopped him. I mean, I could go on for another three minutes. All kinds of commentary going on, and it's not about stopping that so much. It is about seeing it. So, But I know if I say, uh, if I say uh, make no response, I know you can't do that. I can't do it. But it's a way of bringing the mind to that area of our, uh, this whole uh, matrix of this whole sensorium that is functioning as a separate being to like this, not like this, reach out at that, push this away, and so on. Make no response causes the awareness to start looking at our, what? Responsibility. The ability to respond. Responsibility is not about blame. That's a much lower level of understanding. Not wrong, just a different level down in the area of a uh, different level. But Sometimes it's hard for me to see um, a knee-jerk reaction of things that just spontaneously arise and then also seeing something that I'm adding on to it. Is there a fundamental difference between those two things? Uh, probably not. But... The, but that you can say that and express that uh, says to me that you're actually looking at that, and it's a it's like it's like you're going from here to Houston. I wouldn't go to Houston, but you could. And you're in uh, what's here between here and Houston? Just name a city. St. Louis. St. Louis. And you're in St. Louis, and so you're going there, and you're you're already seeing uh, you're on your way. So you're having representations. Just to use a very simple. A metaphor, you're, things are showing up that says you're moving in that direction. You're not there yet. It's like, uh, you know, when children in the backseat of a car say, are we there yet? You guys probably don't do that. So it's just, what I'm hearing is that you're, you're working with your awareness in a way that is, that is prioritizing the awareness. You're describing what's arising and falling away. 
And you may be uh, may have to watch yourself continually add and fuel that before the fuel lines running to that based on passion, aggression, and ignorance, or whatever combination of the clasia lines is <coughs> there. Um, it just starts to relax itself. There isn't anyone who can control that or shut it off. There's no person. That doesn't mean that doesn't look like there is. It certainly looks like there is. Yes. Uh, is there a sort of fluctuation between relaxing and then? Tensing back up again. Um, yes, the path. there certainly is. How's that feel? Sucks. Sucks. <laughs> uh, that's uh, what you're talking about is the, the first noble truth of the Buddha. Life is suffering. And it's caused by wanting things to be different than they are. And to take that further, it means that there's somebody who wants that. And so it's the mistaken identity is the, is the root of the problem. Yes. So what's going on when things seem to be relaxed? And there seems to be some sense of progress. Because that just it could be any number of things. It could be uh, it could be uh, ignorance. You could actually be ignoring. But it's not to say never ignore. It's you might need to ignore because of your particular bundle of karma. You might need to not do that, not look at that for a while. This is why the some of the the meditation traditions that that kind of force people to do things. Uh, I feel is a misunderstanding, forcing you to sit still for hours and hours instead of allowing you to decide how much you're going to meditate or how much you're not going to meditate. So like Zen traditions, they use sticks to hit people, macho kind of thing, like stay there until you realize it. Yes? Uh, I think I've heard you say before that uh, there's loneliness on the path and then you're just still alone. Yes. Um, how, how, how can that show up without it just being some sort of fluctuation? Like, I feel lonely, and now I just feel alone, and I don't mind. It seems like that's a fluctuation. So I'm wondering how that isn't just another fluctuation. It could be. So it could be. It could be going back and forth, unless it's not. There might not be anything going back and forth. Or what's going back and forth might be an illusion. And why interfere with an illusion? It's like it's like uh, trying to correct your dreams or something. As it's said in the Tibetan tradition, the dream we have at night is the, the sample dream. It shows, us, shows you that dreams are not real. They seem real while you're having it. They're really intense, and we want to run from the monsters or, or hide out or whatever may be happening in our dream. And then uh, that's a sample dream. But this is the real dream. This is the one that's hard to wake up from because it so, seems so solid. But I'm sure you recall your last dream, how solid that seemed. That's why it's a sample. Sometimes if I'm having a difficult emotion and then I'll go to sleep, I'll wake up and it's like it has melted or gone somewhere else. Um, is there a way to make that shift when I'm awake and I'm feeling that difficult emotion? I think there is. I think just being persistent about it, just continuing to watch the emotion rise and kind of get a hold of you. And uh, don't interfere. Don't go to war with anything. Don't go to war with war. That's, that's uh, probably the most seductive of all the warfares is well, well, you have to protect yourself or you have to do something about it. No, you don't. But this doesn't mean we're going the other direction or some kind of coward who won't fight or is running away. 
but come to come at it out of your awareness. So when that when that arises, just watch uh, how that happens. Watch how it happens when you're sitting on the cushion. How it happens when you're doing dishes or when you're going for a walk. How that everything is constantly uh, happening and occurring in such a way that we notice how we add to everything. We subtract. We add. We like it. We we modify it, we change it, we comment on it. There's a commentary on everything running all the time. Insofar as you can, make no response. And by doing that, you'll see how much automatic response happens. We're just chattering at ourselves constantly about everything. How do we lose the war with the war? Just through awareness. Just see it. Just see that, it's, uh, that we're objecting to something that we have not investigated. We name it this, and then we, we work with the preconception of what it is rather than go deeply into it. If you go deeply into it, what you will find, and this is just a relative way of saying it, is you're not separate from it. The most horrible, terrible thing that's happening anywhere is, is you're not separate from that. I'm not saying you're the cause of it or that you're, it's all your responsibility, but we're not separate from the very thing we keep objecting to. More, could you? Do we have a little bit of time if there are other questions? Go ahead. Um, this is uh, Don from Shenandoah Retreat, Virginia. Uh, it's two questions. Is the goal on the path simply bear awareness with no addition? And secondly, how do you change from a spiritually materialistic motivation to gain enlightenment while on the path to the enlightenment you seek. I think that shows up different for everyone, and but it seems that the, probably the my initial response to that would be just uh, don't do much. I think this person is already a meditator, so I would say just hold still and watch what happens. Don't join anything. Don't quit anything. Don't don't make any adjustments to anything. Just see what's just see what's fundamentally rising in your consciousness. Do a lot of it. I think one of the precepts is no attaching to fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Does that imply detaching from fulfillment? For me, it's about watching the attachment, and so not about getting rid of the attachment because the, then the attachment uh, comes up with a disguise and has a more a more uh, a kind of way of being attached that's not as uh, uh, noticeable. So look, be be responsible for your emotions and your feelings. Responsibility is the the ability to respond to turn that word around. You actually responding to something completely directly. Without, without jumping into something else. I want something else. I, I want this to stop. And if you do want this to stop, if that's how you feel about it, then just stay with that feeling. But no, nothing extra like, I shouldn't feel this way. Just a very simple thing that people quite often do is they have some kind of negativity that they're trying to keep from having, and they all might say, there I go again. That's not helpful. Uh, it, it just causes a kind of it causes us to shut down on it just enough so it isn't quite as painful, and then we continue to go in uh, 
circles. I think Shogyam Trumpa describes the search for pleasure as being painful. Um, I guess I'm wondering about that search and if it's necessary to continue that search until it's seen for what it is. I think it's, that's a very individual situation. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I can't. I can't speak for people. The causes and conditions that arise as anyone in this room or anyone who's listening or anyone who's not listening are, are very, very complicated. And uh, jumping to any conclusion about anybody's position and anything is uh, not particularly helpful. So you're here, you ask a question, I do the, my best to respond, but I also might have to say, uh, you need to find that out. So I, I don't, don't presume to take your insight, your wisdom mind away from you, and uh, you, you can do that, you can understand that. When you find out, come and explain it to me, will you? Sure. Just kind of using that as a jumping off point, um, it almost seems like that would be the best way to respond to any question. Just turn it back to somebody. So what what's happening when a question seems to come up with a more um, polarizing answer, uh, like a question and answer situation? Isn't this what I'm doing here? I don't know. It's a sincere response. I, I really don't know. Because that I would have to abandon what's here to go in and find, uh, go into some kind of a, calculation about it or so I don't know it's about presence it's about being here if you're here then you're not so you're not involved in some other situation you're just here so like what Michael what Michael was asking about is shows up as something in his that he needs to look at I could make comments on it or talk about it maybe but and I, and I would if he were to ask more questions about it Go ahead. Can we as students become too dependent on asking any kind of teaching situation? It's always possible. Is there a way that can show up to where we would know when we need to maybe look at something ourselves a little longer before asking about it? I think it's just persistence. If you have an awareness practice where you're where you're training or emphasize training your mind to see more clearly, or you're emphasizing uh, the awareness, uh, endeavoring to be aware of what is moving in terms of the thought patterns, the ideas, the emotions, uh, and anything that's happening in our experience, to observe it rather than than agree with it or disagree with it or look away from it. Then I, I feel that you know you don't need me. Can we ask for help without leaving what's in front of us? Well, yeah, I think you're doing it by just being here. I mean, for the time that you're here. The help comes from having a building, having a schedule, uh, having uh, other people who are trying to understand their minds deeply without uh, going to war with the world or with their family or with the people they meet. So we're just here and trying to 
trying to do that. Further question about that? Andrew? Is endeavoring to be present helpful? I think it can be just uh, the way I talk about it is to stay in your senses. Your senses are are not lying particularly how this how your clothes feel. That's why we eventually start to ignore it because it's our, we always can feel our clothing. You can go to that immediately to that, and when you go to that, you'll notice you abandon the other senses to some extent. When I say abandon, I'm not saying run away from, but you, you, the awareness uh, is such that it, it tends to focus on a particular situation. Seeing that something is focusing is also beginning to understand the areas where there is no focus. And actually it's possible to see everything at once. You won't know what you're doing, but it's possible. You won't do, know what you're doing as some kind of a, a accomplishment or something. Or What is an area that has no focus? If there's no focus, then there isn't anything. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, um, there's no observer. There's no observed. The teaching part of it is to, that there's just a perception, but even that is suspect. Further question. Oh my gosh, how are we going to fill in four minutes? Your clock is slow. What? <laughs> <laughs> Tell a joke. Oh, it's noon? My clock, my clock is wrong. That means my phone is wrong. Okay, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our yellow short book. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support to help us with these teachings going forward. Thank you. May you bear this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha, family, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering. And 